Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is uh, the uh, Derek Hunter podcast for uh, Prince Spaghetti Day, Wednesday, the 20th of September. There's an old school reference for you. 2023, I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Welcome. One of these days I'm going to have to do like a show where no reference can be newer than like 30 years. I just want to see if I can do it. I think I can. Anyway, welcome to the program. Um, Don't forget to support the program. Support, it's just, you know, it's not that corporate crap. It's not some corporate podcast, heavily sponsored, heavily sponsored garbage, or somebody who's afraid of offending people. No, I, I don't care if I offend people. I don't give a damn. The truth is sometimes wildly offensive, but damn it, it's more offensive to not tell it. So if you want to support some truth telling, go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter com, or you can grow, join the growing list of people who choose to have the Week in F and Review emailed to them. There is a benefit. I mean, you, you'd sacrifice bit rate because it has to be less than 20 megabytes and I have to record it or save it at a 54 bit rate rather than 192. But you, unless you really got dog ears, you don't notice the difference. But you do get it emailed to you like Friday afternoon as soon as I'm done recording it. So there's that. It'll be the first in your neighborhood to hear me swear all all day but either way support the program if you will support the man the cats the kids everything all right there's a lot going on so i want to get to it as quickly as possible so a bit of the big news is ray epps remember good old ray epps we're going to the capital tomorrow we gotta go into the capital huh into the capital Oh, I meant peacefully. Oh, really? That's what you told 60 Minutes, like after ducking interviews. Look, I don't know who the hell Ray Epps is or what his deal is, but the idea that to this point some grandma taking a selfie in the rotunda is facing 20 years to life in prison because she didn't reschedule her planned vacation to the nation's capital on the 6th of January 2021 and Ray Epps was walking free to do 60-minute profiles and be defended by MSNBC struck me as a bit odd. It struck a lot of people as a bit odd, especially since there's just a ton of footage out there going, we're going into the Capitol. We got to go in there. Basically, of course. Really, okay, here's here's a question for Ray Epps. Just you know, throw this out there because I don't know. Maybe there is a legitimate answer. But how do you peacefully go into a building where police are and have set up barricades for the express purpose of keeping you out? How do you peacefully go in there? How does that peacefully happen? Do you play Mother May I? Is it some sort of red light, green light thing? How does that work? Where you're like, well, we're peacefully going into the Capitol, but you're not welcome in the Capitol. Well, but we're going to, you know, we're going to ask real nice. And if we ask real nice, sooner or later, just like if your kids pester the hell out of you, then the parents will go, all right, fine, you can have ice cream. It's not how it works. If there are barricades expressly to keep you out, there ain't no peacefully going in to the Capitol. It's just saying. 
Well, Ray Epps, a lot of people pointed out how odd it was that Ray Epps managed to avoid being charged with all manner of crimes that a whole bunch of people whose cell phone just happened to ping off the wrong tower that day were charged with. Why is it Ray Epps, why is it actually that the, uh, the Justice Department has no interest in Ray Epps? Seems a little weird. Seems just a, just a skosh curious, I would say. And uh, so now, almost out of necessity to stifle critics, Ray Epps has been charged. Now, I don't know who the uh, dipwad, the moron, the uh, pile of feces-brained idiot over at the Justice Department is who decided to file these charges, like settling on these charges. It was... He was charged with... Well, I imagine the alternative was jaywalking or parking at an expired meter or something because that's about the level of charge that Ray Epps is facing, rather curiously. He is facing, I swear to God, this is it, disorderly or disruptive, this is directly from the indictment, disorderly or disruptive conduct in a restricted building or grounds. That's it. It's a misdemeanor. He's facing a misdemeanor disorderly or disruptive conduct in a restricted building or grounds. It really is just this side of a U-turn and a no-U-turn spot. How do you justify that? The only person I... You got... Uh, what's his face? Enrico Tario of the Proud Boys. He's facing... He's, facing he's serving 22 years he's already I believe he's already in custody he's got 22 years coming his way for being in baltimore during it and encouraging the uh, people or con- commending the people who were there for breaking into the capital stupid sure criminal i don't know what planet that's criminal on and i'm not sure where you get 22 years out of that but that's what you get you got a guy who was actually there Telling people to go into the Capitol, encouraging people to go into the Capitol, directing people to the Capitol, and then on the front lines of the barricades being overrun at the Capitol, who at least in the videos I've seen, in no way tries to stop the actual overrunning of the barricades. Ray Epps has a big booming voice. That's why you know it. That's how you know it. We're going into the Capitol. He's quite capable of being rather loud. Yet all the cameras there, everybody in the world has a camera, has a television studio in their hip pocket. Nobody says, hey, uh, here's footage of Ray Epps saying, what are you doing? Stop pushing this barricade. Stop overrunning the police. We need to go into the Capitol, but not like this. Only peacefully. Not once. Not once. Now, I saw the 60 Minutes puff piece. And he claims that he went up and whispered into the ear of somebody right at the gate, right at the barricade, don't do this, do whatever. Discouraged him from doing that. And then like five seconds later, the guy was smashing the barricades and running over police officers with the barricades. So not really sure how much, if if that's in fact what Ray Epps told the guy, um, didn't work, didn't work. But I'm not sure why Ray Epps didn't 
broadcast that. Didn't really use his baritone voice to announce to the world, stop doing it, what are you doing? Because, well, he didn't. So now he's facing, what, a small fine, a slap on the wrist, and he doesn't even get to choose the wrist. There's no felony charges, no civil disorder, no seditious conspiracy, no nothing. They did not go after him even for so much as trespassing. Again, a misdemeanor, disorderly or disruptive conduct in a restricted building or grounds. Here's the entirety of the indictment. It's, it's quite a piece of work, to be perfectly honest with you. On or about January 6, 2021, within the District of Columbia, James Ray Epps Sr. did knowingly and with intent to impede and disrupt the orderly conduct of government business and official functions engage in disorderly and disruptive conduct in and within such proximity to a restricted building and grounds. That is, any posted, cordoned off, or otherwise restricted area within the United States Capitol and its grounds where the vice president was and would be temporarily visiting when and so that such conduct did in fact impede the and disrupt the orderly conduct of government business and official functions and attempted to or attempted and conspired to do so. That's it. There it is, the official charge, disorderly and disruptive conduct in a restricted building or grounds in violation of Title 18 U.S. Code Section 1752A2. He's facing a stern warning from the judge should he be convicted. I don't think he'll be able to plead guilty fast enough to this garbage. Now, it's kind of funny because there is no... Um, attempt to obstruct official government duties or anything like that. None of that. It's weird. They describe it kind of in there, but that's not what he's charged with. The video, if anybody's kind of skirting the line of might maybe have done this, it, the video kind of shows you that it could have been Ray Epps, but not to be. Very curious how this works. We don't have a two-tiered justice system. We have an arbitrary justice system. It's not two-tiered. It's multidimensional. It is a series of waterfalls. Two-tiered is these people get charged, these people don't. It is, no, it's really these people get the book thrown at them. These people get pummeled about the head and neck. The uh, septuagenarian pro-life protesters who blocked an abortion clinic. Not, I mean, as much as a 70-something-year-old couple of ladies could actually block an abortion clinic, all right? Red Rover with them as you pretty much break wind in their direction and they'll fall over, break a hip. They're 70-plus years old. They just happen to have committed the sin of being pro-life and blocking an abortion clinic. They get... More than 10 years, I guess, they were sentenced to just the other day and taken immediately into custody. Not even a chance to stay out on appeal at their age. Well, it just so happens that the wife of the judge, the federal judge in Washington, D.C., is one of the leading activists and advocates for abortion in the country. But again, you're just confusing a whole bunch of people bringing this stuff to the forefront so you forget about such things, sweep it under the rug. But you can glue yourself to a bank's entrance 
a bank's corporate headquarters and you'll be a hero to it. You can deface the front of a bank's building. You can try and set it on fire. You can try and set a federal courthouse on fire filled with people trying to kill police officers in the process and the Justice Department will sort of go after you. I mean, not everybody involved, but they'll take one token person and give them a slap on the wrist. And then you can be Hunter Biden and be literally doing blow off the judge's wife's chest in the midst of a hearing and face charges that are of dubious constitutionality at best, but really the only charges that your dad is ever going to allow to be brought against you, the most innocuous ones, where you will ultimately, if anything, have the conviction you will ultimately get because you did it, overturned on appeal, and uh, ultimately get away with it. Not two tiers of justice, an infinite series of justice that is uh, on a sliding scale. Arbitrarily assigned based, well, not arbitrarily assigned. uh, Some people it is arbitrarily assigned. It just depends on if you're white or black. You see that uh, those two evil sons of bitches, the 17-year-old, and I guess they haven't caught the other one yet, who ran over the retired police chief out riding his bike, a month ago that like a month ago the video just comes out this week that happened a month ago they filmed themselves they posted it online of them running over the old police chief white guy the two teenagers were black you didn't hear about it you still barely hear about it and when you do you hear about how teens did it teens if the races were reversed you would have heard about it before the car had come to a halt You would have heard about it. Al Sharpton would have fueled up the jet and be there on the scene. MSNBC would have transplanted their entire show lineup out there. But it doesn't matter. Again, not two tiers of justice. Injustice everywhere because it is assigned based on the political whims and needs of Democrats at any given moment. It's rather sick. It's rather disgusting. Speaking of sick and disgusting, I want to talk a little bit about John Fetterman. John Fetterman. Oh, you're going to make fun of John Fetterman? Maybe. I mean, he's an ugly human being who has no business being in the United States Senate. He also has brain damage. Let's just be honest. That's what he has. He has brain damage. And he should never have been elected. The people of Pennsylvania, you're idiots. I get it. Oh, Dr. Oz, he sucks. He said... Whatever it was, I forget what he said. Charcuterie board. Whatever, I forget what it was. Something wildly stupid. Fetterman's a a kid of of wealthy parents who supported him well into his 40s. And he's talking about, oh, Fetterman talked about a cheese board or whatever the hell it was. I can't believe it. Really? That's what you can't believe? I can't believe you're 41 years old and mommy comes in and wipes your butt. But uh, Fetterman then had a stroke. It's been about a year since Fetterman had a stroke, if not a little bit more. And he's not making a lot of progress. He's also a pile of human garbage, as you would expect of anybody who's 41 years old and still living off of their parents and their sister, living rent-free in his sister's house. Why? Because he's a loser. And he uh, got Chuck Schumer to change Senate dress code rules. 
We did. We got him to change the Senate. He had to, in order to go down on the floor of the Senate, as somebody who went down on the floor of the Senate a lot in my time, you have to be dressed appropriately. Why? Be, there are all sorts of rules. As a staffer, you have to stay along the wall unless you're directly talking to your member, to your boss. I was, I had a little bit wider berth because I would write speeches for my boss and go down there and go over them when I would make edits when he was getting ready to deliver them. And I, I once sat in a chair with arms. Ooh. I just pulled out, the, you know, my boss is sitting there and I pull out the chair next to him because, you know, I'm going to sit down and talk to him. And you can see like this, the, the sergeant in arms, people, the security people kind of dancing around the edges. They never came up to me. And I'm just sitting there and I show them on like page three. Here's what I did. I changed this to that and the other thing. And, okay. And Conrad Burns had kind of a, a shitty grin on his face. He did. Like he knew what he was, he knew what was going on. And so I get up, I'm done. And I pushed the chair back in. It wasn't as though I like knocked hip checked Ted Kennedy into next week to get him away from the chair so I could sit down. It was just an empty chair. There were probably five senators on the floor at the time because they're never all down there. Rarely are they all down there, especially not when speeches are being given because they don't, it does, Senate doesn't function like that. That would be a healthy body functioning like that where members listened to each other. They don't listen to each other. And they don't actually, they, they're never convinced by each other. They just, they have their, their speech, their stories, and they're sticking to it. But uh, I get up and I go out to leave the Senate floor. And I'm immediately grabbed by one of the sergeant-at-arms guys outside the doors, the chamber doors. You are not allowed to sit in a chair with arms. Chairs with arms are members only chairs. Like, okay, like I just needed to sit down for a second. If you need to sit down, you request a chair without arms be brought out to you. And it will be brought out and set there. And you can sit in that and talk. And I'm like, okay, I, I was out there for like a minute and a half. Nobody was without their stupid chair. But it doesn't matter. Those were the rules. The Senate has rules. And I could respect the rules. I didn't know the rules. Who the hell's going to know that rule? I never sat in another chair with arms. I'd already done it. Crossed it off the bucket list. But you understand that there are certain rules of decorum in certain institutions. Well, not anymore. Because the fat, bald slob up in Pennsylvania who can't string a coherent sentence together worse than Joe Biden. Joe Biden needs to hang around. Fetterman needs to be Joe Biden's running mate. He's the only person who makes Joe look smart. But he, he can't bring, he feels comfortable. He suffers from depression. He's got the sads. Tough. And dressing like a slob in a hoodie and gym shorts makes him feel good. Helps him. It hasn't helped him at all. He still can't understand people. So I'd say in the last year since his stroke, dressing like a 12-year-old douchebag hasn't been the key to mental recovery for Fetterman. But that's just me. Well, they've now changed the rules in the Senate. Members can wear whatever the hell they want. So let's get Kirsten Cinema in a sexy two-piece, shall we? I want to see that. Let's do that. Uh, it's just disgusting. Chuck Schumer actually changed the rules. How pathetic is it that Chuck Schumer changes the rules to accommodate Frankenstein like this? All he had to do was tell Frankenstein, look, be an adult for God's sakes. Grow the hell up or resign 
okay? You can't do the job. No one's going to take you seriously. Nobody already takes you seriously, and nobody works with you because they can't communicate with you. You can't understand them when they speak, and nobody can understand what the hell you're saying when you speak. You make it impossible. You are a slave to your staff. You are a puppet. For your staff. You're an embarrassment to the species and to the body of the United States Senate. You should resign and try to recover as much as you can from your stroke, but since you've dicked around for a year, you probably will never recover from your stroke because political power was more important to you than the ability to communicate. And that's pathetic. And it's sad. And in that sense, I feel sorry for you. It's not a sympathy. It's not empathy. It's pity. There's a difference. It's, you know, it's the worst kind of feeling you can have for somebody. But Fetterman has now, now, by the way, staff has to wear suits. People making $26,000 a year as a staff assistant, you've still got to wear a suit. So good luck renting an apartment in Washington. You ever wonder why it is that so many people in Washington, D.C. are rich D-bags that seem like they are a David Spade character out of a movie from the 90s. It's because it's nearly impossible to live there otherwise. When I moved out there, I owned three suits. They were all used, or two were used. One was bought for $99 at uh, Value City uh, Department Store, I think it was. But... Um, they that was it you just had to sort of interchange them change the shirts and stuff like that it sucked i lived in baltimore i lived an hour train ride away because it was the only place i could afford there were murders in my block you could have bought i had to that was it those were my options i could have had five roommates in Washington, D.C., and maybe gotten my rent down to probably twice what I ended up paying in Baltimore. But I had cats. I had stuff that I liked. I wasn't about to have one bedroom in a big house with seven other people where my cats had to be locked in there or trust these people not to let them out, not to be... No, it just wasn't going to happen. It's a choice I made. It's a choice I had to make. It's a choice everybody has to make for themselves in Washington, D.C. Unless you're a rich douchebag, son, daughter of privilege, then you can afford all sorts of stuff. I've known people. <laughs> my parents bought a, a townhouse down in Washington, D.C. when I moved to D.C. because they thought it was a good investment and it would give me a place to live. Like, oh, so you got you got to live rent-free in a house your parents ultimately gave to you because, I mean, what the hell, if they got that kind of disposable income to buy an $800,000 row house, why not? Why not do it for Junior? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a different world. You'll find more people like that than anybody with a blue-collar uh, background in Washington, D.C. You still got to buy the suits. You got to wear them, except for the bosses, the people making the most money in the institution. Anyway, I've got a bit of audio here of Fetterman just to show you what kind of a gutter snipe he is. <laughs> what kind of an idiot, what kind of a sad sack piece of crap loser John Fetterman is. He's out there. Democrats, of course, are scrambling. It's really kind of funny in a way with this UAW strike. 
They want to be a part of it. We're union, union, yes, union, yes. But part of the beef that union has is that the big three aren't pushing back enough against the mandates Democrats are putting on the sale of new cars. 30% of cars, 50% of cars have to be electric vehicles by blah, 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 blah. You get it. Those are going to screw over union guys in ways that the hookers at their bachelor parties never could. And Democrats are keeping quiet about that. It's going to cost, by one estimate, according to the CEO of Ford, I think it's 40% of, of uh, auto jobs in this country in the future. What do Democrats really care about? This environmental wacko jobs? People are gluing themselves to buildings and destroying property? Or are they the party of the blue-collar middle class? They're not. They're not at all. But Democrats are scrambling to try and hide that fact. So Fetterman went and uh, was meeting with and showing solidarity with United Auto Workers members. At this event, this is only, what is it, uh, 18 sec 16 seconds long. At this event, Fetterman said this. My message to the, the, CEOs, the CEOs is, you know, at $74 million, you know, collectively earning that, you know, how many yachts can they need, you know, to, to, yacht, to water uh, ski behind it? You know, I mean, it's just crazy. You know, you know it's, it's just crazy. This is the guy lowering our standards. Standards matter. Standards matter. I'm looking at a... Uh, Signed, this is probably five years ago, Willie Mays' official website had a sale with Willie Mays' Certificate of Authenticity. They were offering pictures autographed by Willie. For my money, top five greatest ball players of all time. Uh, selling them for half off. It was cheap. I think this was like 40 bucks or something. It's a eight, it's not eight and a half by 11. It's like 22 by something. It's a bigger picture. Of Willie Mays hitting the crap out of the ball, probably hitting one of his 660 home runs. But in the background, there are there's a crowd of people. Every single man in that picture is wearing a suit. At a baseball game, probably mid-50s. In the mid-50s. Every one of them got dressed up for the occasion of going to a baseball game. Now, this summer, probably sweating to death. Whatever, but that was how it was. People had standards then. You were much less likely to be randomly attacked by a group of teens on the street, for example, back then. Decorum existed. Respect existed. Now in the United States Senate, it doesn't. In so many other places, it doesn't. You used to get dressed up to go fly anywhere, I'm told, long before my time, but you did. It was an occasion to go flying. Now you see drunk douchebags sticking their bare feet through the armrest slot on on flights. And you say, hey, what the hell? Get your rotten feet out of me. Hey, man, I pay for my ticket. Who do you think you are? Standards. You don't see people in a suit all that often doing that. You see a lot of people in sweatpants doing that. Again, I'm not uptight. I don't enjoy wearing a suit. But when I do wear a suit, it's because it's an occasion 
or it's a circumstance or it's an event that dictates my behavior. You get me on a golf course in gym shorts and a t-shirt, I am going to swear an awful lot and have a good time doing it. You get me in a suit at a Capitol Hill briefing and I will conduct myself in a professional way. Believe it or not, it's true. But now, if I'm sitting across from somebody in a, I had my bachelor party in Tijuana, and all I got was this lousy t-shirt and a scorching case of crabs t-shirt, I'm probably not going to take that person very seriously. People aren't going to take John Fetterman seriously, not that they did take John Fetterman seriously. That was his attempt to string together a coherent sentence. It's like it's a game show. John Fetterman. I need you to speak for 16 seconds and make sense for the entirety of that time. If you do it, you will win $1 million. If you do not, you will lower the standards of the United States Senate possibly forever. Go. God, it's just sickening. Just gross. And for Democrats to go along with it, it tells you how much, how big a whores the Democrats are for power. It really does. It really, truly does. They'd willing to do, they're willing to do this. Anyway, I, uh, I'll save it for tomorrow. I've got some audio of Gavin Newsom on abortion and Donald Trump on abortion. But it's too late to start talking about abortion. Abortion is a more serious topic, although I will make jokes about these these audio things because there's not much of a difference between Newsom and Trump. They're both looking for mileage out of attacking Ron DeSantis. But I will say that there is a small group of pro-life Republicans who are not happy with what Donald Trump said because he basically said that abortion bans are they shouldn't ban abortion somehow he'd find compromise i don't know how you find compromise between here's a group of people who one side says it's something's the greatest ever the other side says it's murder where do you find the middle ground all right well we'll allow some murder is that the people who think it's murder are going to say uh okay we'll allow some murder of babies and the people who think it's great and there should be more of it will say all right I want no restrictions at all on this, but I'll allow some restrictions on it. No, that's not how the world works. There's no compromising there. And Gavin Newsom couldn't give a... Screw it, I'll just play you the damn audios. I'll do this quickly, just because... Abortion is one of my least favorite topics, honestly, because you're not going to change anybody's minds. You're not going to convince anybody of anything. You're not going to tell anybody something they don't know. It's just not. It's one of those issues that either you're in or you're out. And I've been both. You're either in or you're out on it. But it really only matters for 10% of the population, maybe, who vote on it. There are leftists who will only vote for somebody who promises to provide, to, to perform abortions. And then there are conservatives who say that unless... Somebody is pro I don't care where they stand on anything else. If they're not pro-life, I'm not going to vote for them in any way, shape, or if they don't oppose abortion, I am not going. Even if it's like a 15-week ban, that's too soon. 
That's not enough. I want a complete and total ban. There are people all over. And it's the, the issue that informs and motivates their vote. And if it doesn't, you can have an opinion on it. But if you say, but you know what, right now taxes is more important or inflation is more important, then it really doesn't matter. Because if you think somebody who disagrees with you on abortion is really good on the issue that does move your vote, you're going to go for what moves your vote. Just how the world works. First, I want to play you Gavin Newsom. and He was on CNN, and they tried to get him, because Dana Bash, credit for asking the question. She never tells, I, if I'm interviewing Gavin Newsom, I'd say, if you just, sh-, I'm going to swear. <sighs> caught myself but i'm gonna give a warning of it so skip ahead 10 seconds if you don't like it if i'm interviewing gavin newsom I'm, and he's doing what he's doing here i'm gonna to say to him will you shut the fuck up and let me ask the question will you let me answer will you let me talk for a second if i'm trying to interview him because he does not address the point he turns it into an attack on Donald Trump when realistically him and Donald Trump aren't all that far apart, except for the fact that he wants abortion up till the kid goes to college, even though he won't come out and say it because he's a coward. But um, he won't give a straight answer. Listen to it. You have probably heard more and more Republicans, including Donald Trump, who just over the weekend accused Democrats of supporting abortion rights up to and after yeah. birth. <laughs> Can you be clear about... What does that mean, uh, after birth, well, abortion after birth? It's made up. It's a political... Well, can you just be clear about political. what limits on abortion should be? Uh, it's a political thing. People are not seeking abortion. But what is, at the, what is the policy? The what should it be? The policy, it's not up to Donald Trump or me. It's up to you, to women, that have to bear that responsibility uniquely and distinctively. And the reality is, it's a canard. It's a political frame. It's total... BS. And it's exactly where they need to go because they know they've gone too far. But there has to on be some side. kind. Well, let me just talk about your state of California. Yeah. As you well know, there is a law in books that preceded you uh, that says that you can have an abortion up until viability, which is about 24 weeks. That's right. Is that something that you that's, support that's personally? That's in statute in the state of California. That said, there was a constitutional amendment that we placed on the ballot. That, that has some nuance in it. And so that's an area that's being adjudicated in public opinion and likely will ultimately be so adjudicated. Is in the it courts. the government's role then? I know you, you said it's, it's up to women. To make that decision. So there should be nothing no, that, on the books? This is, this is a canard. This is a false flag. This is where they need to go in order to get out of the mess they've created because they don't believe in fundamental choice and freedom for women. They don't. Period. Full stop. And this whole issue is a political issue. And so with respect, I'm not surprised that Donald Trump is saying this. This is exactly what you hear every single one of them say next week down at the Reagan Library. And at the end of the day, those examples are so extreme, so rare. When you have, when you have literally viability issues that are deeply personal and painful, uh, others have said it more eloquently than I have, after you've picked out the name of the baby, and then you're forced to make this terrible decision at the end of a term and to exploit that for political purposes offense. I just want to be clear because people are going to be listening very carefully to what you're saying. Yeah. You do not believe it is the role of government nationally or, or state government to have, to have any limits on the books I, legally. The state of California has long believed in viability. I've long believed in viability. We went forward with a constitutional amendment that's created some questions as it relates to this. 
My, my point is no one wants to see late, late-term abortions. No one's out there promoting that. That's what the Democratic Party's position is. It's not what my personal position is. In those rare and extremely rare and personal circumstances, one thing I absolutely believe, Donald Trump shouldn't be making that decision. I sure as hell not, should not be making that decision. That's a decision for the mother, the would-be mother, and for her doctor, and for whomever member of her family or priest uh, believes that's the right thing to do. And, uh, and, and beyond that, with all due respect, uh, I call BS on this whole debate. It is purely a political canard. Nobody wants to see that. Well, then why don't you ban it? Well, you know, I mean, no, nobody wants to see that. It's extremely personal. Okay, so you can have an abortion at uh, right before the day before the due date for extremely personal reasons. Like, look, I'm just not ready to have a kid. I changed my mind. Go ahead. Get it out. By the way, Tim Carney over at the Washington Examiner made a great point in a column. I think it was this week. They always say, talk about, the leftist does, about how rare late-term abortions are. They're so rare. They're so rare. They're rare. They're rare. So we shouldn't do it. So, okay, well, then why don't we why don't we ban them? No, 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 no. They're so rare. After years of saying they never happen, nobody wants that. And then they always say, but it's super rare. Well, then it's, it's either never happens or it's super rare. If it's super rare, relative to the number of abortions, you're talking about a million abortions, 1% is still a lot of abortions, right? Done in the last minute. So like you say it's like 3% of abortions, then you're written into some really serious numbers there. That's not rare in the grand scheme of things. But Tim Carney's point was brilliant in that it put it in a new perspective. Late-term abortions, late, late-term abortions happen more often every year in this country, more frequently every year in this country, than people are kill, who are killed by quote-unquote assault rifles. It's true. The, what the Democrats classify as assault weapons, assault rifles, are responsible for horrific murders. Every murder is horrific, but significantly lower, statistically insignificant, honestly, than the number of third trimester abortions every year in this country. But Democrats want to ban all of the rifles in this country that can be classified as that anything short of bolt action. But they don't want to even touch the concept of restricting abortion, you know, in the, I would say, the pooper get off the pot law, okay? You've got 15 weeks to figure this out. Figure this out, because otherwise you're pot committed. Anyway, Donald Trump was on Meet the Press on Sunday, and he was asked about abortion. And I want to—I want you to hear his answer. You might have heard it, you might not have heard it, but it just seems poor. And it just—it strikes me as Ron DeSantis is here, so I'm against it. Mr. President, I want to give voters who are going to be weighing in on this election yeah. a very clear sense of where I think you stand I on think this. they're all going to like me. I think both sides are going to like me. Let, let me what, but what's let going Mr. to have to Mr. happen President, is you're going to have to... Kristen, you're asking me a question. What's going to happen is you're going to come up with a number of weeks or months. You're going to come up with a number that's going to make people happy because 92% of the Democrats don't want to see abortion after a certain period of time. If a federal ban landed on your desk if you were reelected, 
Would you sign it at 15? Are you talking about a complete ban? A ban at 15 weeks. Well, people, people are starting to think of 15 weeks. That seems to be a number that people are talking about right now. Would you sign that? Uh, uh, I, would, I would sit down with both sides and I'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace on that issue for the first time in 52 years. Uh, I'm not going to say I would or I wouldn't. I mean, DeSantis is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban. Would you support that? You think I, that I goes think what he far? did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. So 15 weeks is not something somebody people just started talking about. That's been around for a, a, an exceedingly long time. It's, but I, look, it's, if it's not the issue that moves your vote, it doesn't really matter. But if you thought that Donald Trump was pro-life, he was opportunistic. I mean, there was nothing really about, I never believed for a second Donald Trump was pro-life. It wasn't in, in 2016. It wasn't the issue that moved my vote. It's not the issue that actually moves my vote now, being honest with you. But I never in a, for a second thought that, that Donald Trump thought anything of abortion. I, I don't think he cared either way. If you told me he'd paid for 50 of them, I would have believed you. If you told me that he he, he never paid for one and he thought it was the murder, I, I probably would have been shocked at that. I would have believed you, but I would have been like, whoa, well, that's not what I had expected because of the way he lived his life. But I think it's more likely he just didn't care one way or the other. I don't know if he's done anything or not, but I just think he just didn't care one way or the other. And so to hear him talk about it so cavalierly after so many people, particularly in the pro-life movement, thought he's so wonderful. He gave us the just, he's responsible for overturning Roe. Yeah, it goes down to what I always say. I don't care what somebody's motivation is when it comes to politics. As long as the end is, is constitutional and good, it's conservative, it moves the ball in the direction of liberty, then I'm happy with it. I don't want, you know, obviously the ends don't justify the means you go murder some people when your political argument, whatever. But imperfect vessels, for God's sakes, every conservative who has achieved anything remotely conservative in government has been an imperfect vessel. Ronald Reagan was divorced. Ronald Reagan, I'm sure, was had all sorts of other problems. I don't dig into I don't I don't care what type of person Ronald Reagan was in his personal life. I don't know. I don't care. I'd never never heard any rumors about him screwing around or anything, but I, I just don't care. Just like Donald Trump. Donald Trump got a lot done, but I wouldn't want him to date my sister. All right? He could have done a lot more. I'd let him date my sister if he'd have closed the border permanently, actually built the wall, or ended birthright citizenship. He could have at least taken my sister to dinner. But they're, imp you know, they're imperfect vessels. He did appoint three varying degrees of solid justices to the Supreme Court. Okay? I am grateful for that, especially considering the alternative, this piece of crap attorney general that we have that Democrats wanted on there. So I am down with that. I don't believe for a second he meant it, but I don't care. I don't believe for a second he meant a whole lot. Not that I think he's a closet liberal just pretending. I don't think he's all that interested in politics. I think he's a pragmatist. So that's just what I see. I am perfectly down with that. But when you watch these, this interview, 
you can't really spot that. I mean, Gavin Newsom doesn't give a straight answer, but he tries to attack Trump. Realistically, they're not all that different in what they say. Donald Trump, he's not prolific, but he's not prolific, but he's not. It doesn't motivate his vote. It doesn't motivate him. Sure as hell doesn't. Because if abortion is what you care deeply about, you don't sit there and say that a heartbeat law is stupid and you would have never signed it and you'll find a compromise. If you believe something is murder, there is no compromise with murder. If you believe something is a fundamental right, there is no compromise on something that's a fundamental right. Both sides of this thing aren't going anywhere. So I'm just saying, just saying. It'll be interesting to see if this has any repercussions. Trump has announced he's not going to the second Republican debate at a certain point. At a certain point, something he does has to matter, doesn't it? Even if his supporters started answering polls differently, saying, hey, you know, it's a little cowardly to run away from constantly, don't you think? To sort of force him to do it, because I promise you, if he doesn't debate, Democrats will use that and all the other garbage that they've been doing to say that there's no reason to debate him, should not debate him. Who does he? He's not worthy of debate. He's not a serious person. I don't. I think he's a threat, and I'm not going to give him the satisfaction of being on the stage with him, etc., etc., etc. And if you've for what debates for whatever reason I'm so far ahead in irrelevant polls, then there's really no reason anybody should bother debating you if they're a Democrat. And so how does Trump win with that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll explore that more at another time. There you go. You got 12 more, 14 more minutes out of this show. Sorry, I went over that quickly. There's more nuance to it, but I'm setting it up for tomorrow and I was like, to hell with it. I'll just do it now. I'll just do it now. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Anyway, I appreciate you listening. Don't forget about patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter dot com or uh, PayPal at uh, Derek Allen Hunter Gmail. You can email me and set that up and I'll I'll add you to the email list. Send you the week in effing review uh, once it's recorded. Appreciate you listening and the support. Even if I made you angry, I hope I at least made you think. We'll see you tomorrow.